Hello, hello, and welcome to Business of Design. You fabulous interior design professional. There's nothing you could do that could make you more fabulous, not in my eyes. And uh, I'm really glad you're here. We're having kind of a fun, light conversation today with a wonderful prop stylist named Robin Zachary. Robin has a new book out, Styling Beyond Instagram, and you're going to hear her story during the episode. She's going to share some important tips about getting the most out of the prop styling. And, you know, I know I've said this before, but even though I worked for a magazine for 18 years and was trained on the job in prop styling, I still hire a professional stylist when we are going to shoot photography. It is the best money that I could ever spend because they are so objective. Even though I think the angle I want to take of the room is X, they're going to come in and say, no, I don't think so. And here's why. Here's a better angle. And I have never been disappointed when I've hired someone, but I have been disappointed when I've tried to do it by myself. I guess even though I have experience, it's because I'm just not objective enough. So it really is about being intentional, being focused, make sure you understand how you're going to use these photographs. What do you want to accomplish with these photographs before you pick up the phone and hire someone, someone like a Robin Zachary who happens to be in New York City. Robin said her love of prop styling began even before she knew what to call it, that she was inspired by some influential women in her life, grandmothers, mother, aunt. These women grew up in New York City and lived during the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and they collected beautiful objects, vintage bags, cutlery, dishes, you know, the kinds of things that are just kind of disappearing from everyday use. And Robin said she was just thrilled to get these old cast-offs. And now she's able to use them in photographs for her clients. It's really touching, right? A way to remember these women who were so important in her life and uh, to continue to honor them today. You can follow Robin on Instagram at Robin Zachary. The link to her Instagram and Facebook, website, book, all of it at businessofdesign.com. So you don't have to worry about a thing. You can just kick back, relax, enjoy the episode. If you're driving, keep your eyes on the road. We're going to do some quick announcements with Cheryl. We'll get right into the episode, and we're so glad you're here. Cheryl, can you believe it? Episode 294, and you know what that means? Uh-oh, what does that mean? That means we're six away from 300, and I have something so good planned. Oh, I'm excited. 300, that that sounds insane. That sounds... Because that's weekly. Like, that's... I know. I feel 300 like... 300 weeks. Yeah. Weeks. 300 episodes means 300 weeks that we've been doing this. That's right. It feels to me still like the podcast is like this new thing we do. Um, it's just so fun and fresh every time. But you are going to feature quite heavily in the 300th episode. So I'll just leave it at that for now. Should I be worried? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. But it's going to be a really special episode, and I'm looking forward to that. In the meantime, whoa, there's a ton going on. Yeah. And you know what? For announcements, I'm kind of going to throw it back to you. Retreat, I've been getting so many questions about, and I keep saying, you know, we're going to have a lot more details in November because you're 
hitting the road with Janine to do your scouting trip. Yes, we have so many meetings planned uh, as we're verifying what the itinerary is going to look like. But the bottom line is we'll be in Charleston. That will be home base. And then we will also go to Savannah. But uh, Business of Design will get you to Savannah and back in one day. And uh, as usual, it's going to be a heavy focus on learning because that's important, right? We, we all want to have a good time. But the most important thing we do at the retreat is we move your business forward. And then on top of that, there's always an opportunity to learn about design and architecture. And I never fail to come away inspired to do better work, to really step it up. So this year is going to be, I think, a spectacular, spectacular retreat. And I'm excited people are already signing up and asking a lot of questions. Yes. And that was actually, you just answered one of the biggest questions was, where are we staying? Are we staying in Charleston? Are we staying in Savannah? So again, Charleston's the home base and it's a day trip to Savannah, which Business of Design will arrange because so many start looking into flights and booking that side of it. They sort of do it all at once. So that flight information is super important before they book. So uh, registration is uh open. Uh, Early bird is still happening. And then the dates of the actual retreat are April 27th to April 30th, 2023. That's a Thursday to Sunday. And details are on the website. And then in terms of adding more details in November, we'll get more to you in terms of the actual agenda once uh, Kimberly returns from her planning trip. I can't wait. Actually, I'm looking forward to it. And I will be meeting up with a few Business of Design members when I'm in South Carolina, just uh, by way of finding, what am I trying to say? The inside scoop. (laughs) Exactly. There you go. Uh, The other one I want to mention is the commercial projects contract. So we did that as a live seminar the other week, but that's been edited and it's now available on the website, uh, just like the other contracts in the BOD shop. Uh, So you will get access to the video, the tutorial that goes along with it, and a PDF version of Kimberly's commercial contract that does walk through the 15 steps. So I think that was really, um, you know, we haven't done a lot of commercial contracts up until this point. So I sort of learned along with everybody else, but um, you really do follow the the BOD 15 uh, with a slight modifications in there. Yeah, we have to allow for a couple of exceptions with the commercial projects, but it was so helpful for me to do it in front of a group because they were able to point out places where I wasn't clear enough and they had great suggestions as well. So the contract got better for having done it in front of a group, which is so typical, right? I learned so much from you guys. And those revisions have been built right into the contract and are available in this new version. So that's available. I know that I've got quite a few members um, that I will email personally, but have been waiting for that to come out. So um, I think that's it for today. We'll stick with those two because those are our big ones that I've been getting a lot of questions about lately, especially uh, the retreat. So please head to the de- to the website for details on that. And as always, give me uh, shoot me an email, Cheryl at businessofdesign.com if you have any questions. All right. And I'm packing. I'm off to the airport as well. So uh, looking forward to visiting uh, Charleston and Savannah. And then as soon as I'm done with the planning trip, I head back to Santa Monica for a boss group, a, a new boss group launch. So I'm excited about that too, Cheryl. We'll have lots yeah. of things to catch up on this month. Yeah, I'll be holding down the fort at BOD here. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much. Enjoy your trip. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. 
We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Robin, it's great to see you. How are you? I am great. It's nice to see you too. Good morning. Where are you? It's it's bright and sunny wherever it is. I know. Finally, we're in New York City. Finally, after five days of rain, we have beautiful sunshine for the next few days and nice weather. So sometimes I'm, I'm so focused on work, I barely notice. And then I'll look up and think like, where's the sun? Like you just, it makes such a difference. It feels so good to have it, right? It does. It really um, helps my uh, focus and my inspiration when the sun is out. So my drive, like I just don't mm-hmm. just want to drink coffee and sit inside when it's like <laughs> exactly. Like that. But that's a good segue to what we're going to talk about today, which is the difference it can make to really professionally style a room, even though you've already designed it. It's beautiful. You've designed it professionally. The clients love it. It still makes a huge difference to go that next step and style the room professionally. So tell us a little bit about your background. Okay. Well, let's see. I come from a magazine background. So pretty much all my life, I've worked at different women's service magazines, um, mostly national magazines that you might have heard of, some you might not have heard of, but um, I had an opportunity to work in so many different genres. So um, I was designing and I was um, styling photo shoots all this time. So I basically cut my teeth on doing like food shoots, fashion, beauty, decorating, wedding receptions, flowers, I mean, you name it. So um, my favorite were the, you know, the home decor and tabletop shoots. That's really my specialty. So when I left magazines full time, I decided I wanted to focus on the still life and, you know, the prop styling aspect of the job. So that's kind of, that's a little bit about my background. I mean, it, I have a longer background. But. I completely relate to a background with magazines because I worked with Style at Home magazine for um, 18 years as the decorating editor and just working with the photographers and learning some small hacks, you know, don't shove your canisters up against the wall in a photo shoot, pull them forward. So there's definitely mm. a photo, right? right? That's a really good way to learn. But if you never have exposure to that person, then the next best way I guess to learn is to either take a course with someone like you, or you hire a professional stylist to um, come in and prop style your spaces in preparation for t- photography, which is what I do. I actually think I'm pretty good at it. And I still hire someone independently. Mostly because I just can't be objective. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I mean, there's really a big difference between the, you know, the decorating and the designing a space. Let's just ask the basic question. What's the difference between designing and styling? How do you view that? Well, they're, um, yeah, they're two different things. So really, I'm not um, designing the space, you know, the nuts and bolts and the, you know, the the physical 
aspect of the space, but I'm taking the space and, you know, gussying it up for the photography. So um, there is a big difference. I'm not picking out the fabrics and the upholstery and the, you know, the look of the space. That's the designer's job. So, um, but the stylist is one who is there, brought it in just for photography's sake to make everything look good for the camera and make it very, you know, more photogenic and, um, you know, more appealing and just that giving you that feeling that a real family lives there. I mean, you've seen very stark photos of a room where it's basic and something, it, even though in person, the room is spectacular, um, all the finishing and everything, you do want to go that extra step and bring in somebody to, to make it, to elevate it and look, you know, put that, stack of books on the coffee table and the vase with flowers and put some art on the wall and um you know some pillows that may not be the ones that the family's chosen you know you want to bring things that are going to pop and you want to make that picture look really appealing and inviting because that will just make the whole room look more appealing and inviting so um and then you know after the photo shoot things can be taken away Maybe the family wants to keep some of it and they work that all out afterwards, but. Oh gosh. Yeah. In fact, you know, sometimes I'll say to designers, it can be worthwhile to style it, even if your client doesn't uh, think they want that. And that can only happen to you if you're not using the BOD 15. If you're using the BOD 15, this doesn't apply to you, but if you're not using it yet and you have trouble convincing clients to do the styling part, I have found that just going forward and styling it, even at your own expense, means almost always the clients will make a lot of additional purchases, so it really looks finished. And in my case, even when I've done complete styling, when we do the photo shoot, we add a variety of other things, new things, different things, and invariably the clients want those things too. So it's kind of a win-win, and you can't really live without that collateral of the proof that you do great work, <laughs> but I digress. You get us back on track. Um, the photo shoot is really an event. <laughs> it's a a day, right? So you want to clean up every, all the areas. You want to like get anything personal out of the way. And then, you know, you can leave a few personal things, a few personal photos and everything. But if you're photographing it for a magazine or for the designer's portfolio um, or website, whatever it may be, there are certain things you want to think about in dressing up the space. So it does look lived in, but also, you know, cleaned up and perfect for the camera. So um, um, it's such a complicated task. And it's like anything, there are trends that come and go. So for example, I remember, you know, in the early 90s, there was always that stupid pair of like kitten heels in the foyer, <laughs> right? Like right. one was standing up straight and one just happened to be tipped over on its side. <laughs> so that's another reason why you should hire someone who focuses on this full time, because you probably have your finger on the pulse of what those trends are. It's definitely, like you said, you know, whatever the pair of shoes <laughs> the moment or if it's a mud room you're photographing you want to have a pair of boots in there and you want to have a raincoat or you want to have uh you know if it's a, a family room you want to have you know books and music and uh games and you know whatever it may be so 
I have a long list of all the details of things. And every time I think of something, I just kind of add it. And I have that running tally for every kind of room in the house that you might be working on. You're almost shaping a narrative, right? Like depending on how I want to use the photograph, I may call you and say, hey, I need this for my website or I need this for a particular marketing piece or I want to get published in a particular magazine. And those Mm. three scenarios may prompt you to make different choices in terms of styling. Am I right? Yeah. Yes, totally. I mean, if you're going for something with a more country kind of look, you'll style it one way. If you're going for a more, you know, high-end upscale magazine, you might style it a different way. It could be the same room, but just styled to fit the market that you're going for. So you need some really strong direction on style, you know, and which would come from, I guess, the end usage for that photograph. Yeah, absolutely. And to be really intentional about what you need to get out of the photograph. I mean, I think for so many years, my photographs were just like, oh, I got it. Check. Got another one in the bag, you know, and then I realized, wait a minute, if I want to do more vacation homes, even though this house might be in the middle of Toronto, I could I I could style it in such a way that it looks more like a vacation house and tell that story with a house right. not a million times, right? That's right. That's right. Right. You can make it look like a beach house and you're in the middle of the city. Of course, that's all about the propping and the styling and the accessories. Uh, so you really have a lot of leeway in, um, you know, it could be the coverings, it could be the throws you bring in, it could be the you know, the pillows, the types of, you know, bowls or frames, whatever it may be, um, depending on the room, you can really transform a space into anything you want it to be. (laughs) So it's amazing. Yeah. And I find like um, a lot of our designers will say, I want to do more luxurious clients, more high-end clients. And this Mm. is an opportunity where you can take a house that maybe isn't such a high-end place and work with someone and figure out how are we going to create those vignettes that tell the story of a much higher end Mm. finished product which is right. so it's worth investing money in that experience to get it right yes exactly you want to think about artwork um maybe some sculptural art pieces um bringing in some high-end um ceramics um or dinnerware if it's a dining room space or something like that so you can totally take it in any direction you want. You're absolutely right. One of the things I found so helpful about working with a professional is I can't be objective. I've been knee deep in this house for two years. I Mm. have strong feelings. I know how the clients live. I know what they like. I know what they don't like. I get someone in with a fresh set of eyes and they say, well, what if we were to do this? And I'm like, oh, wow. Like I never thought of that. How interesting. Right. That's right. Somebody who hasn't been, like you said, knee deep in it. Um, Now, I want to point out, though, that let's say the magazine is featuring the family and their uh, work, their hobbies, their their family life. If that's the focus of the piece, um, then you do want to inject the personality of the family. But you want to sort of elevate it and, you know, clean it up and bring in some new things. But you do want to interview the family and know what you need to um, 
you know, what, what needs to come across. Um, but, you know, it, it could be more about the decorator and the decor. So um, you kind of have to gauge where it's going, what, what magazine it's going to be in or what, where it's going to be featured, what website, what, you know, or if, what it, the usage is basically. So yeah. they're all different. Robin, what would you say are some of the common sort of errors we make in terms of photographing interior design spaces? Like you're flipping through a magazine, you're like, oh, there it is again. Oh, how tragic. If they'd only done this, mm. it would be so much better. Well, let's see. I don't know. I think the most of the magazines are really, you know, hiring competent people. I, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I see that looks absolutely wrong. I mean, I know things get very trendy. So you see certain flowers repeated everywhere um, during a certain time or certain, you know, kind of foliage or dried flowers. Now everybody's using dried flowers and pompous grass everywhere. So, you know, to some degree that might date the photos. Um, like you said, with the heels, you know, you saw the same kitten heels in every picture. So I think um, trying to be careful not to get too trendy. Um, gives it a little bit more, um, you know, shelf life, so to speak. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I could, would say is absolutely wrong. I mean, I think for the most part, what you see out there looks pretty good. Um, so yeah, let me think about that. <laughs> well, your opinion would probably change if we weren't focused on magazines. I'm sure if you're just yep. looking at websites, because sometimes I'll check out someone's website and I think, yeah. oh, wow, missed opportunity because you can tell that the bones are good. Yes. There's just nothing yeah. compelling about that photograph. Nothing that makes me want to reach in and know more. Okay. We've got some more what to do and what not to do is coming up right after this. And now a word from our sponsor. I'm very excited about this one, Kohler Signature Stores and Experience Centers. Have you ever done a project without Kohler? I don't think I have. Kohler Co., of course, is a global leader in the manufacture of kitchen and bath products, and it's continuing to expand its presence in North America, opening a 38th Kohler Signature Store in Torrance, California. Now, that's not too far from me in Santa Monica. I may have to check it out, although I frequently use the West Hollywood stores. Kohler stores offer sophisticated displays, elaborately designed suites and vignettes, so I get great ideas, and they showcase all the Kohler family brands, Kohler, Kalista, Roburn, and Ansacks Tile and Stone. One of the cool things about these experiential spaces is they offer, for example, working shower systems, lighted mirrors, intelligent toilets. You can figure out how everything works so when you present it to your clients, you're the expert. Listen, just as I have an A-team of contractors, plumbers, and electricians, I also have an A-team of suppliers, and Kohler is at the top of my list. So I wholeheartedly recommend you check out the nearest Kohler Signature Store or Experience Center. And if there isn't one physically close to you, don't worry, you can visit them online and virtually. If you want to look good to your clients over and over again, and I know you do, you have to rely on brands you can trust. To find a Kohler Signature Store or Experience Center near you, go to stores.kohler.com or go to Business of Design and we'll have the link right there for you. Thank you, Kohler, for sponsoring Business of Design. We really appreciate it. Well, I think what would be great is to show, I think 
too much is shown from very pulled back in the space. And it's just, you're so distant from it where there may be some striking details about the lighting and there might be a beautiful kitchen island with benches and you pull back, which is nice, but I would also love to see some close-up vignettes in the space just to give that feeling of warmth. I think that would be one thing that some spaces will look a little too dry and sterile and, you know, sparse, let's say. Yeah. Um, but I would like to see more combinations of close-up vignettes where you do zoom in on, uh, let's say, a console, a corner of a console. Like not everything needs to be shown from far away. You know, you get more intimacy the closer up you go. So a combination of shots from different viewpoints, I think, would be ideal. Right, right. I remember even just sometimes lowering the camera to come into the scene can also create that intimacy. There's a, there's a lot of things you can learn from a photographer and a stylist. Now, you have to tell us about your book. What can we expect to learn from your book? Oh, okay. Well, the book really goes through like the nuts and bolts of working on styling jobs. I basically cover all the different niches for um, what prop stylists do. Um, and I really try to explain the differences because, you know, it's a very hard thing to do. There is a lot of overlap, but there's, you know, very different needs and people specialize in different things. I spoke from my experience about working on various types of jobs, product shoots and um, uh, food shoots and craft shoots and beauty shoots. Um, and then did interview other people who did more, um, you know, did other types of things that I didn't do necessarily. So there's a lot of interviews in the book. There's a lot of success stories of people who have, you know, decided at a certain point in their life, they want to get out of whatever mundane job they had and get into styling. And, you know, that's exciting to me. People that have gone into it because they know they're creative, they want to do this, and they just don't know how. So that's why I wrote the book on steps to take, um, different um, assessments and things about your lifestyle to consider to do different types of styling. And I think there's something in there for everyone, whether or not they're even just doing this for fun, you know, just certain things. I cover so many different topics from like, you know, where to find props and shopping, which is really the most exciting part is looking for cool things and, you know, acquiring a collection of props that you can use, especially if you're somebody who's decorating like for me a lot of the rooms that I call I'm called into style are kitchens <laughs> that just sort of becomes the thing that I've had the most experience doing so really I have so many bowls and planters and tableware and um you know, kitchen tools and pots and pans and things that I can bring in and use to style a kitchen and anything I don't have, I can rent um, or buy. So really, I go into the details on renting versus buying versus owning. And um, I, I use a lot of my own things. And I also buy what's needed or I make things, you know, or if I need a cutting board in a certain color, I just buy one and I paint it, you know, <laughs> so um <laughs> Your editor's not going to be very happy if we don't say the name of the book. So it's Styling yes. Beyond Instagram. Yes. And the publisher is Shipper Publishing, Shipper Craft. 
Um, so yes, they'll like that plug as well. I can tell you're oh. passionate about it because when I asked you about the book, you didn't do what a lot of hardcore seasoned salespeople do, which is name the book five times, but you just went into all the good stuff that's in there. So uh, we we appreciate that. Um, would you say, I, I always, uh, I would call them kind of pet peeves. I always look for the traveling flowers. You mentioned flowers, but you'll find that somebody has a vase of hydrangeas and that same vase with the same hydrangeas appears in five photographs. So that always <laughs> kind of makes me laugh. Are there other things like that that you like pet peeves funny. You just, like you never do? Oh, that is so funny because, um, you know, sometimes it depends on the budget and how much they want to spend on flowers and everything like that. But I try to buy those big bunches that have like multiple flowers <laughs> so I can switch them out, you know, that I can pull. I, I'll take that big bunch apart and I'll make up little mini arrangements, you know, so I can use different ones in different places. That's the way to get the biggest bang for your buck. But I do live near the uh, New York City flower market, so I have access to like almost anything. Um, so if I, if I do have the money to spend, I'll go there <laughs> and I'll, you know, pull from some really amazing stuff. So, um, let's see, pet peeves. Well, trying to think, <laughs> um, yeah. I feel so bad. I like have so many, like there's a, a particular Hermes throw that shows up like Come on, not everybody has that throw. <laughs> yeah, right? well, you want to be realistic too. I mean, right. look at the space. Yes, if things are identifiable, that's why I kind of stay away from anything that's super trendy or identifiable because, yes. And also, you personally, as a stylist, don't want to use the same things in every picture, right? So then if you go to show your work and the same things appear everywhere, I mean, almost... I'll put something aside and wait a year or two before I use it again. You know, I mean, I'll know what it's been used for that very reason that you don't want your pictures to have the same things. It's going to yeah. look too repetitive. It's going to look like you don't, you're not out there shopping and bringing in unique stuff. Um, so yeah, that is a pet peeve. I'm sure if you bring up a few that I'll remember, <laughs> like that I'll, I'll relate to that for sure. The good thing is, it sounds like, I mean, you really believe, obviously, because you teach it, that this is a skill that you can learn and you can get better at it. And it's worth getting better at if you plan on using your photography as a as a marketing tool. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've coached people in, you know, um, in, in doing exactly that. You know, I have a photographer I'm working with and I want to do the styling. What do I need to do? And I, you know, I always say focus on the small vignettes. You do want things to read from a distance. Obviously, they are going to always do the pulled back room shots, but really set up those little vignettes like a tray with a pitcher and glasses and some flowers or books on a coffee table with, you know, or um, a bedside table with flowers and a water bottle and books, you know, and some slippers. I mean, there are things that are quite obvious because, um, you know, that you think of because that might be in the room. I mean, not everybody uses a bed tray for breakfast, but it's nice to see that if you're doing a hotel room. Um, let's see, there's nice, nice to see a newspaper rolled up with your with breakfast, you know. Yeah, um, but not everybody reads a newspaper anymore. They like, you know, read everything on their phone. So you're seeing laptops and phones in every picture now <laughs> instead of a actual newspaper. But I still love the graphic 
element of having a magazine or a newspaper in a picture. I try to be, you know, there's definitely the basics that you want to include, but try to do it a little differently each time, you know. Good advice. We like to end every episode with design intervention, just a great piece of business advice. Yes, sure. Um, So my best advice would be to, um, you know, make sure everything is made clear up front. Now, the nature of every project will undoubtedly change or be added to, but once you've agreed on a price and a budget, you know, then people will, they'll, will say, oh yeah. And how about this? And, oh, that would be great. Oh, get that. You know? So then you find that you've gotten everything on your list, but then there's last minute additions, you know, and that is, that sometimes is a problem for you who's trying to keep everything in a certain budget. So I think you have to keep reminding um, the client that, uh, you know, this is going to go over, take us over the budget. Do you want to spend that extra money? You want, you know, you got to let them know because then in the end, you know, they'll be like, what? You spent more than we talked about. It's like, but you added some things in. So let's just keep reminding them that, um, you know, that might incur more time. It might incur more money. I mean, I used to, stick exactly to the budget no matter what and then I end up digging into my own pocket um, and losing yeah. money. Oh I bet you every designer listening can relate to this. I, you have to make them realize that everything costs something. I'm not going to pull everything out of you know thin air. Yeah so whether you're designing directly for clients uh, you know building a house renovating decorating for clients or you're a stylist who's working with interior design professionals as your clients being crystal clear on the boundaries what it's going to cost how long it's going to take is a really great advice. Right. Thank you Robin. Thank you so much it was so nice to talk to you I really appreciate it. You too. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today. Start today.